I invite you to open your Bibles this morning to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We are coming to the end of our Essentials series. We've got one week left after this. Uh, the last couple of months we've been covering the Essentials of Christianity. Specifically, the last six weeks been, we've been covering the Essential Life. What does it look like to live a life as a follower of Jesus Christ? We've talked about repentance. A follower of Jesus is one who repents. We've talked about love. A follower of Jesus is one who loves. We've talked about good works. A follower of Jesus is one who, who does good works. We've covered a variety of things. Today, you could say we're kind of covering that which is, encompasses everything. It's the big umbrella. Because then next week, we're going to take kind of a little bit of a side street. Not really, but a little bit. And we're going to focus more on kind of how do we live specifically in this world as a follower of Jesus Christ. So in the sense we live specifically in the United States of America at this time, how do we live as a follower of Jesus Christ. And so uh, today's kind of the all-encompassing, and then next week we're going to talk about living specifically here and now and uh, what's God's Word have to say about that. And then I want to encourage you, in your bulletin this morning, there are two invitation cards in your bulletin. So if you open up your bulletin, there's almost two business cards in there. Like I'd encourage you to take those two business cards that are in your bulletin, stick those in your wallet or your purse. The goal of those is just to be a tool. As you're caring for people around you, and you extend that invitation to King of Glory, they need to have that reminder of where we're at and when we meet. So please just carry those around. And uh, again, we are in the people business, so we want to be inviting people when we have that opportunity. There's more available in the back. But the essential life is really a life that God wants everybody to have. And so therefore, we want to reach out with the good news of Jesus. Let's turn this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning with the 23rd verse. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it for the, sake of the one, for the sake of the one who informed you and for the sake of conscience. I do not mean your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I being denounced because of that for which I give thanks? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. Be imitators of me, as I am of Christ. Let us pray. Almighty God, thank you for your word this morning. I ask now that you take this word and implant it in our minds and in our hearts. Give us understanding and give us application. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Profit, safety, peace, Comfort, pleasure, all of those things at some point are probably the driving force for why you do something. They're probably the driving force for the decisions that you make. The reason you make a decision is for more profit. You make a certain decision, why? Because you want peace. You make another decision, why? Because if you think you decide this way, you're going to have more pleasure. All of those things that serve at different times as the engine that drives us to do certain things. Profit, comfort, peace, pleasure, 
safety, all that stuff at different times can serve as the driving force to anything we do. Well, the question is, what should be the driving force in our life? What should be the engine that drives us, that moves us to the things that we do and the decisions that we make? In other words, what should our life revolve around? What should our life revolve around? When I was working at Hy-Vee in the produce department, we'd always get the truck of stuff that would come in and you'd unload the truck and you'd stack it in the back room and depending on who was working, the stuff pretty much just ended up anywhere and everywhere in the freezer and then the potatoes and the other dry goods would be outside of the freezer area in the back room. And we unloaded the potatoes and we got the potatoes. There was always specific instructions of where the potatoes went in the back room. We had an older gentleman that came in in the mornings and did the potato rotation basically every day. And so we were told specifically that the potatoes have to be go right here on the ground next to the door going into the produce room. They cannot be stacked on the shelves up or they can't be taken on the pallet jack and, and lifted up any higher because the one who was coming to rotate the potatoes, they didn't want lifting other things to get to the potatoes. And so the placement of the potato box completely revolved around this one individual. And in your life and in my life today, our lives revolve around stuff. We make decisions because of certain things or because of certain people. You've all probably said to someone at some point in your life, man, your life just revolves around that PDA. Your life just revolves around the Cornhuskers. Well, I mean, why would somebody say that? But anyhow, think your life just revolves around whatever thing. But all of us at some point have, have experienced that. We're like, wow, your life is just right now around this one thing. Well, according to God's word, our lives should revolve around one thing. And not just our religious life, but the emphasis is our whole life. In other words, our whole life should revolve around the glory of God. Our whole life should revolve around the glory of God. A person's life is meant to glorify God in all things. Look with me, if you would, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. So we're getting here an argument from the Apostle Paul of how to go about living. And he says in verse 21, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Notice how he, he, he gets right after and he goes after everything, eating and drinking. You and I could consider that pretty basic. Don't even think about it, just do it thing. And he says, even eating and drinking, that minuscule of a thing, we need to do to the glory of God. And he kind of, then he says, whatever or whatsoever. In other words, anything in your life needs to be done to the glory of God. Well, what is glory of God? We use this word glory a lot. We've heard it in every passage of scripture we've read today. First Chronicles, we have it there multiple times. John chapter 17, the prayer of Jesus, he uses the word glory multiple times. And almost every song that we sing, for the most part, the word glory is used in one way or another. So what is the glory of God? The word glory literally means weightiness. The word glory means heavy or, or, or to, be repute, to, to have a good reputation, to be high, to, to be basically full, to be big. And so for someone to be glorious, that person is, is weighty. That person is, is magnificent. So that's why, you know, we would say sometimes, wow, did you see that thing last night? That was glorious. What we mean by that is that was magnificent. That was huge. And, and to be glorious is to be huge. It is to be magnificent. It's to be weighty. 
And so in the Old Testament, we see the glory of the Lord used to describe the presence of God. Because where there is God, it's weighty, it's huge, it's magnificent. And so in the Old Testament, sometimes you'll see the Israelites, as they're traveling around, they've got the tent, and then it sometimes says, and the glory of the Lord hovered around them, or there was a cloud that encompassed them, like the glory of the Lord, because there was this, this heavy sense, this magnificence of God. They were trying to describe, basically, who God is and what God does. He's glorious. And so glory means to be magnificent, to be heavy, to be weighty. And so therefore, to bring something glory, and we use the word glorify, it means really to give that which is weighty the weight that it deserves. Give something weighty the weight that it deserves. Or in other words, give something the honor that it deserves. To, to glorify something is to say, I'm going to magnify that. I'm going to show its greatness. So for example, if, if you glorify a, a football player or if you glorify a, an actor or an actress, what are you doing? You're making them known, right? So if the media glorifies someone, what do they do? They tell all about their great qualities. And they're constantly lifting them up and making them known. So to glorify someone is to make it known, to show someone's magnificence. And you and I are called to glorify God in all things. Or in other words, to to make the magnificence, the greatness, the authority, the weightiness of God known to all creation. And it's not just in, in some things, but the Apostle Paul emphasizes all things. Every human being was created for God's glory. And the reason that we get this is we go back to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1, it tells us that God created humanity in his own image. And so we are created in the image of God, meant to reflect God's quality, God's characteristics to the world around us. In other words, we're meant to glorify God or to make God's magnificence known. Every human being. So the next question then is, how do I glorify God? What does it mean to bring glory to God? And that's where we turn this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And we get some clear direction here of what we should do as we're seeking to glorify God. And a person that seeks to glorify God seeks to benefit their neighbor. A person who seeks to glorify God seeks to benefit their neighbor. Look with me, if you will, here at verse 24 in 1 Corinthians 10. He says, Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. All of these verses here are dealing basically with encouraging the people who receive the letter to ask the question, how does this benefit my neighbor? So for example, the Apostle Paul is writing to a group of people in the church of Corinth and they're dealing with a variety of issues. They've got some sexuality issues going on in their own church that they're trying to figure out. They've got some issues of idolatry. They've got some issues of meat and sacrifice some things that are hard to understand in our own culture. And so the Apostle Paul is trying to give them some direction on how to handle themselves in all of these situations. And the Apostle Paul basically comes out and says, hey, yeah, you can eat whatever meat you want. Thing. Completely lawful. God created all things. But then the Apostle Paul says, but the question is not, is this lawful? The question is not, is this good for me? The question should be, Does this benefit my neighbor? So the whole focus, if we're going to glorify God, the first question that should be on my mind is this. Does this action benefit those around me? 
It starts right there in verse 24. Look to the good of the other. Now, if you look down with me at verse 28 and 29, he continues to emphasize. He says in 28, But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it. Why? For the sake of the one who informed you. So the Apostle Paul says, you can eat it, but why do you avoid eating it? Not for your benefit, but for the benefit of your neighbor. In other words, what's driving your decision is what's in the best interest of your neighbor. Now, this is crazy thinking for you and I, because we live in a legal system, right? So when we're making decisions, one of the first things we think about is what? Is this right or wrong? When you were growing up, and as you grew up and you got your curfew from your parents, and your parents said, hey, be home at 11 o'clock tonight, what was your goal in, in, in getting that curfew, or what was your thinking? Well, I'm going to be home at 10.59, right? And why didn't you want to be home at 11.01? Because it was wrong. It was against the rules. And, and so you asked yourself, okay, how can I stay out as late as possible and still get home at 10.59, right? So you kind of figure out how fast you had to drive from your whatever person's house to get back home, and you got it all timed out, so you got home right at 10.59. How many of you, instead of asking, how can I stay out as late as possible, asked, how can I arrive early in the evening so my parents can get a good night's rest? I'm not sure that question was even on my radar screen. But really what the Apostle Paul is arguing for here is he's not saying, hey, don't ask the question, is this right or wrong for me? You should be asking the question, how does this benefit my neighbor? Or what can I do that's going to benefit them. It's a completely different way of thinking. No longer am I thinking, hey, how close to the line can I get without crossing it? But rather, now I'm thinking, what can I do to bless, to benefit the people around me? For a lot of time in Christianity, Christianity kind of gets this picture that Christianity can basically be summarized in the word avoidance. And sometimes we take our spiritual health by looking at the things we're avoiding, right? Oh, I'm avoiding the big stuff. You know, I, I'm avoiding the, the, the big sins. And so therefore, we avoid certain things throughout our lives because we think Christianity or a life of following God is all about what? Just not doing what he said not to do. So if I'm not doing those things, I'm avoiding bad stuff, so therefore, I'm good, but the life of Christianity is not about avoidance at all. The Apostle Paul here is not making an argument for avoidance, but rather he's saying, forget even asking that question. The question on your mind should be, how can I bless others? How does this benefit others? Ultimately, how does this glorify God? It completely changes your mindset when you come at it saying, okay, I want to do wrong, but I don't want to do wrong that gets me kind of past the outer marker. Rather, what I want to do is I want to be focused in the positive direction that everything I do brings honor to God and blesses those around me. So when we make decisions, the question is not, how does this benefit me? But the question is, how does this benefit my neighbor? And notice that the difference here is not, well, how does this stop my neighbor from being harmed? The, the question is not how to remove them from negativity or harm. The question is, how to build them up. There's a difference. So for example, when you're doing a business deal with a friend, what do you try and work up? A win-win, right? 
you're doing a business deal with a friend, you try and get a win-win. Where if, so if your friend is going to do some work for you, what do you do? You kind of expect that friend just to do it where they don't get any profit. It's just their expense. And your friend is expecting the same from you. It's just a basic agreement. You're not looking for the profit of your friend. You're just looking at what? So your friend doesn't lose money. Well, the Apostle Paul here is taking it one step further. Look with me at verse 23. At the end of verse 23, he finishes the saying, but not all things build up. The word that's used there is the word profit. He's really saying, in other words, not all things are profitable. So actually what we're supposed to be doing is we're supposed to be doing things that are profitable for our neighbors, not in the financial sense, but in the spiritual sense and in the care sense that we're not just removing them from harm, but actually we're trying to build them up. How many of you have been in a situation where you're about to enter into a conversation and your spouse has told you, don't say a word? Because your spouse knows what? You're not happy with what's going on thing, and your spouse just wants you to keep the peace. So therefore, they say, don't say a word. Just let it go. Okay, so what do we do? We just let it go. We don't say anything. That's one, that's a position of neutrality. The Apostle Paul is saying, we don't need to be in a position of neutrality. We need to be in a position of positivity. So not only do you not need to not say anything, actually what you need to say is a word of encouragement, a word of exhortation, of building up. So we're not seeking just to not harm our neighbors, but we're actually seeking to build people up around us. We're not just seeking to not do evil. We're seeking to bless those in our community. There's a big difference. One can live a life of avoidance and still not really bless anyone at all. We're called to live a life of blessing where we seek to benefit and build up our neighbor. Look with me, if you will, as we continue on down to verse 32 and 33. The Apostle Paul continues to build this mindset. He says in 32, Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God. The word he uses here in 32, offense. When we, you and I use the word offense, we use it in the sense of someone gets a negative feeling towards us. That's not the word used here. Paul's not saying, hey, don't do something that causes someone to have negative feelings. The word offense here is really the word stumbling. Don't, don't put a stumbling block in front of anyone. So it's like when you're on the running path. If you're on a running path, a nice smooth running path, and someone just kind of rolls a little rock out on the running path, on your lane, and you have to move out of the way. That, that would be you're offending someone. You're, you're rolling out a stone in their path. So you and I are supposed to do things that don't cause others to stumble. Wouldn't put them in a position of vulnerability. Again, it's all about looking for their best interest. And then look with me again. He says right in the next sentence, verse 33. Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. So you can summarize this verse by saying, Paul's a people pleaser. But there's a reason he's a people pleaser. That they may be saved. In other words, the Apostle Paul has the spiritual well-being of the people around him at the forefront of his mind. The reason that he wants to please people, the reason that he wants to, to not offend people or put a stumbling block in their path is because he wants them to experience 
healthiness in their spiritual life. He wants them to be saved, to experience salvation. It's all about the spiritual well-being of those around us. And you and I were created to live a life of glorifying God, which means we were created to look to the benefit of our neighbor. And you might say, okay, so how does this connect? The benefit of our neighbor and the glory of God. If I glorify God, what I'm doing is I'm showing the image of God. And if I'm showing the image of God, what I'm doing is I'm actually living out that which he commands. I only know the image of God based upon God's commands. So God gives us his law. When you look at God's law, look at it as a mirror. Because what God's law is doing is it's reflecting to us God's desire for creation. When you and I look at the law, we often look at it as kind of just this list of rules of not to do's. But actually what God's law is, is it's a mirror reflecting his heart for creation, saying, this is, this is what I want for my people. Think about the laws of God. The laws of God are written for our benefit. Why does God want us not to steal? Well, the reason God wants us not to steal is because it hurts someone when we steal. Do you, do you think it really hurts God if I go and take $5 from Paul? But it's for Paul's benefit and my benefit if there is no stealing. The laws are given for our benefit. The laws are a reflection, a mirror of God's heart. And so when you and I fulfill God's laws, live out God's commands, what we're really doing is we're really reflecting the image of God to the world around us. And Jesus says in the Gospels, when he's summarizing all the laws of God, he says they can all come down and be summarized into two commands. The first, love the Lord your God with all your heart. The second, love your neighbor as yourself. And so if we want to glorify God, it begins by loving our neighbors as ourselves. Because to reflect the image of God, to show the magnificence of God, to bring honor to God, we have to do that which God requests, that which God desires. And so therefore, looking to the good of our neighbors glorifies God because when we look to the good of our neighbors, we're actually living out the law of God of loving our neighbors as we love ourselves. God has created us to be outward rather than inward. God has created us to be outward rather than inward. In other words, God has created us to have a mindset of blessing rather than being blessed. Now, you and I are in the habit of praying for blessing. So if you have time on your hands, spend a couple, there's no Vikings game today, so you have a lot of time on your hands. And if you have time on your hands, go through and look at how many times the Bible is focused on God blessing us or us blessing God. It's a majority of the time, it's all about us blessing God. We read it in Psalm 145 today, that I may bless you, God. We were created to be a blessing, to be outward focused, to be caring for those around us. We were created to bless God through our, through our behavior, through our thoughts. We bless God when we reflect his image to the world around us. The question before us is not, what can I avoid? But the question before us is, what can I do to be a blessing? And when we're a blessing, we're bringing honor to God because we're looking to the needs of our neighbor before we're looking to our own needs. 
you and I this morning are called and created to glorify God. In other words, we're called and created to bring Him honor alone. Not just in some areas, but all areas of our lives. And that begins by asking the question, how does this benefit my neighbor? Well, where's the practical application this morning? (laughs) Glorify God in all things. Well, I mean, the practical application is that in all of the practical areas of our lives, God wants to be honored. God wants His magnificence to be shown in everything that we do. The practical application for today is, am I handling my finances in a way that honors God? Am I treating my, my co-workers in a way that honors God because it benefits them? Am I using words that reflect the image of God? Am I using words that build other people up rather than tear them down? That would be reflecting the image of God. We were created and called to live for God's glory, to reflect His image. There's two questions I would challenge you with this morning to ask for your practical application this week. The first question is this. What have I given more weight than it deserves? What have I given more weight than it deserves? What I mean by this, that is this. All of us at different times in our lives make mountains out of molehills. In other words, we give things that God intended to just be things in our lives, we make them into gods. So for example, I started the sermon today by saying profit, safety, care, pleasure, comfort. Sometimes we make a profit more weightier than it deserves. Is a profit a bad thing? A profit is not a bad thing. But when we make profit the end game, that we do whatever it takes to get profit, what we've done is we've made profit more weightier than it deserves. When we make peace, when I say peace, I mean just no arguing. When we make peace the ultimate end, we make that more weightier than it deserves because sometimes we set aside truth for the sake of peace. What are you giving more weight than it deserves? Almost all of us here today give someone else more weight than they deserve. What I mean by that is this. If so-and-so doesn't think highly of us, we start to think, less of ourselves because we want that person's approval. And so we've given that person more weight, more authority than they deserve. There's only one who deserves the position of being weighty and mighty. That's the one who is weighty and mighty. That's God himself. What have you given more weight than it deserves? The second question for us to ask this morning is this, are others profiting from me? Are others profiting from me. In other words, the people that are around you on a regular basis or the people that even interact with you, are they benefiting from you being in their life? Are you building them up spiritually? Are you caring for their well-being? Or are they just something to get something done? Everybody we run into should be blessed because we are being a blessing. Are others benefiting from us in their lives? Think around this room right now this morning. A hundred people here? 100 people here. That means that this next week there's 800 people out there that should benefit from the 100 of us gathering together here. All of us are constantly around at least 8 people. All 8 of them should benefit from us gathering here this morning. Are they benefiting from you? The reality of the situation today is that you and I have not always lived for God's glory. 
You and I have not always given God honor in all things. That's why the Bible says, for all have fallen short of God's glory. For all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Because we haven't. We haven't always looked to the best interest of our neighbor. We haven't always honored God in the way we speak, the way we think, and the way we act. We've basically marred the image of God because of our rebellion and our wrongdoing. But this morning, the good news is this. God is not asking us to try harder. God is not saying, hey, I'll give you a second chance and let's see if you can do it. But rather, God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, who lived the perfect life. And as we read in John chapter 17 this morning, Jesus Himself lived the perfect life that brought glory to His Father in heaven. Jesus lived the perfect life and then died on the cross where He ultimately glorified God because He took our punishment. And then Jesus rose from the dead to conquer death and to conquer sin. Jesus has lived the perfect life already. And now through our faith in Him, He's asking us to follow His example, to be His children, to be His people, to be a blessing as He has been a blessing to us. Today is the day to recognize that we have fallen short of God's glory, but recognize also that there is one who has completely lived for God's glory, Jesus himself. Today is the day to say, Jesus, I believe, and begin living for the glory of God. Let us pray. Almighty God, we come before you and we acknowledge that we have fallen short of your glory. We acknowledge that many times we have lived for our own benefit rather than the benefit of those around us. God, this morning, I pray for anyone that's here that has given more weight something than it deserves. I know in my own heart, God, I often give certain people more authority than they deserve. Often give dollars more weight than it deserves. Safety and comfort and pleasure. God, I pray that you'd work upon our hearts this morning and free us from those idols. And I pray, Lord, that you'd empower us to give authority to you alone. This morning, Lord, to lift up and pray for the eight people that all of us are in constant relationship with. Lord, enable us, empower us to be a blessing to them. Lord, I pray that each person this morning would be a benefit to this community because we look out for this community first. God, thank you for your patience with us. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins. Thank you for your kindness and your mercy. God, we praise you. We want to give you all of the glory. We want to show your magnificence to the world around us. God, you are awesome. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.